Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. How to take every thought captive. I want to start off by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, beginning with verse 1, Paul says, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Jesus Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold towards you. Uh, Michael, I'll be in, in October, I'll be in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And potentially in September, I'll be in, in um, where is it, up north, Meadow Lake. But I think that's pretty far from you. I beg you, verse 2, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who intend to think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now get this, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down, this is what I'm going to focus on today, casting down arguments and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The mind makes a terrible master, but your mind is, you're not at the mercy of your mind and of your thoughts. Your thoughts and your mind is at the mercy of your spirit man. I want you to understand something very clearly. When you got born again, when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, your spirit was recreated. But your body and your mind need to be renewed by the reading and by the reception, the receiving of the word of God. I want to read another scripture, Romans chapter 12. So this is where a lot of people miss it, is they think because I'm born again, magically, Things, my mind should be transformed magically. I should be thinking differently magically. Just, you know, as if someone just uh, waved a wand over me. All of a sudden, I'm going to have different thought patterns. I'm going to have different thinking thinking patterns. And uh, supernaturally, I'm just going to start, you know, wonderfully thinking wonderful thoughts and all that. No, that's not how it works. The Bible says that when your spirit was regenerated, it put on the nature of God. But there's something that you have to do to, your spirit is now on the wavelength of God. But you have to catch your, your mind, your soul, and your body up to the wavelength of your spirit so that they're walking on the same pace. And there's responsibilities on your end that you have to take on a daily, on a daily, uh, daily, daily pace in order to have that become a reality for you. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Adalia. Jimmy. God bless you. If you're just joining now, please help me uh, get the the message out by sharing this broadcast. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, which is the habit of many. A lot of people, they get saved and they don't do anything about it. They just sit on their salvation. But the Bible says in Philippians that we are to work out our work out our salvation through fear and through trembling meaning that when you get saved you're not saved to sit you're not saved to take a a, a a a seat back you're saved to get to work we are saved by grace through faith but when we get saved we have a task we have a responsibility on our end to now do something with the glorious package of salvation that we've received and you see it a lot of times i feel bad because this is not really preached much in christianity in modern day christianity Christianity. So a lot of times people get saved and they feel good. They feel rejuvenated. Their soul gets like an impetus. It gets like a, a momentum that's built off from that initial uh, receiving of salvation of God's life in you. But then because nothing's done about it, we just leave it be and, and we remain in a neutral state. What ends up happening is, is nature abhors vacuum. If you don't, that's why Jesus said, when an unclean spirit, people get delivered of unclean spirits, people get delivered of demons, people get set free, they're delivered of, of demonic influences in their life. But the Bible says, Jesus said this, because they don't do anything about it, their house, their house is just empty and their house is swept and kept clean and in order. But because they don't fill themselves with something after they've been ridden of demonic influences, after they've been ridden of that former life, after they've been cleansed of that Adamic nature and that spiritual death, they do nothing about it. They stay in a neutral state and their, their house is empty, swept and kept in order, but they haven't invited the holy ghost in their heart they haven't fed and filled their heart with the word of god jesus said that when that demon that left that man he sees that his house is like in a neutral state he goes back he finds seven more spirits more wicked than himself and he comes back to that house and the latter state of that house is worse off than the former that's what that's what happens is a lot of people start off well they have an initial push an initial wind behind their back but they don't do anything about it. They just sit on it. And as a result, the wor the latter state of that man, 10 years from now, you look back and their salvation experience is just a mere thought. It's a blimp on the map. Nothing else has come from it. And then, you know, they come up with weird theologies and weird doctrines on how, you know, ultimately when you get saved, nothing really changes. But we know that there's a glorious place called heaven that's prepared for us. No, I tell you, there's a heaven that is reserved for you when we die and go to and go to heaven in eternal life. However, there's a heaven that God has for you here on the earth. But there's some things that you have to do. There's buttons you have to push. There's disciplines that you have to take on a daily basis in order to make that heaven on earth a reality for you, for your family, for your children, and for the, geneal the genealogy that comes from you. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed. I want you to write in the comment section. I will not be conformed, but transformed. I will not be conformed, but transformed. Be transformed. And then it tells you how to do it. 
through the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So it doesn't just say, you know, you're to be transformed. How? Oh, just go to church. No, there's more to the Christian life and practice than just going to church. You should go to church. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 84, verse 7, that they that appear before God in Zion, which is the church in prophecy, they will go from strength to strength. The Bible says in the book of Psalm uh, 92, that as we plant our feet in the house of God, we will flourish in the courts of God. So there is a blessing in meeting in the congregation the assembly of the of the saints that's why i'm not with anybody that says you know how many of you know the church is not a building or or in gathering the church is just in our heart that's that's actually a terrible rendition of what that word church means the word church is ecclesia which if you study the original greek meaning of ecclesia it means the assembly of the called out ones the assembly the gathering of the called out ones so for someone to say that you know the church is just in our heart that's not true the church is not in, in a building and in gathering. It's the church is in our heart. It's Jesus in our heart. That's not true. Because how could it? I mean, if I want you to say it this way. Use the actual original meaning of ecclesia and fill in those blanks. Instead of church, interchangeably use um, called out ones. Or the assembly of the called out ones. And see if that statement makes sense. Uh, it's not about gathering. It's not about the gathering of the called out ones. It's about the gathering of the called out ones all called out ones in our heart that's it's you sound lunatic like a lunatic because it when we got saved we were called to a body and the bible says the hand can't say to the foot i have no need of thee so there is a benefit there's an, a blessing in the gathering in the assembling of ourselves that's why men the first time i went back to church and we we started to sing and praise in a in a congreg in the congregation and lift up our voices together david said come let us exalt his name together the first time we started doing that man there was a special presence of god that entered into the into the room and people were like deprived of that and the devil wants to get religion to teach you that it's not important to meet up with the with the children of God that you're just a child of God and isolate yourself all by yourself put yourself in a corner but the Bible says he that isolates himself wages against all wise judgment we were called together and we're the, we're the, we're in this thing together and you'll see that when the church is separated and divided then the enemy can conquer but when when the church refuses to be divided and gathers in unity psalm 133 says it says it perfectly how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity how pleasant it's like the anointing oil that came upon aaron that drizzled down on his beard and on his garments the gathering the unity of the church the working together of the saints it releases a special unction and that anointing is what's needed to solve the world's problems so i'm not i'm not i'm not saying you don't go to church you go to church however if your relationship with god is just sunday morning from 10 30 till 12 p.m if your service even lasts that long then you're gonna have a hard time in life you're gonna live frustrated you're gonna live co constantly battling the same things that you once were delivered from but it's like you get out of one ditch and you fall into another ditch you're literally you're not going from glory to glory you're going from glory to shame from blessing to cursing and it makes you think that maybe you're doing things wrong maybe you know and then you know what ends up happening is people start to 
come up with this new theology, this new doctrine of mountains and valleys, when in reality, David said in Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the path of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in meditating on this book day and night. That man, will be a special order of beings. That man will be a new species of creation. That man will be a tree planted by streams of water that no matter the season on the earth, he's receiving his nourishment from an unseen source, the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that Moses endured persecution with the children of God and he endured because he saw him who was invisible that's what Psalm 1 is saying that you're receiving your nourishment from someone that the world can't see but he's very real to you and Jesus said it's the Holy Spirit the paraclete the one who comes alongside the comforter the one who literally is a wave behind you is a wind behind you pushing you in allowing you to enter into the goodness that God has for you on the earth that's why David said my cup is anointed with fresh oil and my my cup overflows and goodness and mercy are the natural byproducts of that anointing working in my life so you're not just to, you know a lot of preaching is about not being conformed to this earth not being conformed to the patterns of this world not letting yourself uh, love this world or be allured into the past lusts of your flesh and the appetites you used to enjoy it's a, a lot of preaching is on holiness and separation and i'm all for that and we need to hear that we need to live a lifestyle of repentance and a lifestyle of of on the narrow narrow road which leads unto life how be it there's something you have to do after to maintain so that you're not a blind man following another blind man and falling into the same ditch over and over again i want to read something I'm going to show you that life is not about constant deliverance, constant, you know, needing help. You're to go from the one who needed help to now the one who brings the help where you go. Peter and John, they needed help. Peter, when he got his call from God, he was having a struggling business. His fishing business had taken a hit. People weren't buying, he wasn't catching any fish. And Jesus in Luke chapter 5 comes, preaches out of his boat, and then he tells him to let down your net for a catch. He said, Master, I've toiled all night. I've worked so hard. I, I, I've, I, I've labored so hard and diligently. I've sweat all I can sweat. And yet it's I've received nothing. I've had no reward. I have a struggling business. What makes you think you can help? Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch go out into the deep one last time i want you to notice something first of all that when peter went out to fish that morning when if any man knows how to fish you know that the afternoon is not the prime time for fishing the afternoon is not the time to go out and fish that's actually a it's a terrible time because first of all the fish can see the nets and secondly it's too hot on the surface so they actually go a little deeper so prime time fishing time is not three o'clock in the afternoon it's like 4 a.m 5 a.m that's when fishermen go out to fish and that's when they catch the most amount of fish they had worked hard him and several other boats with him he had a big business him and his father they had worked hard in the in the prime time of fishing and caught nothing so you have someone come out and say, well, I know it's three o'clock, but if you'll let down your nets for an, a catch, 
And if you'll obey my word and go out into the deep, though it's not the right time, you see, that's the thing with God. When you do things without God, even when things, everything seems to be lined up perfectly, things still fail. But when you're with God, when God comes in your boat, when Christ, when you join hands with Christ, even when things don't look lined up, God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who do love him. That's what Peter experienced in that boat he let down his he said nevertheless at your word I'll, I'll obey you I'll do what you told me to do when he followed out and carried out that instruction and his net was let down he carried in such a, a, a mass of fish so much fish that he had to signal to other boats nearby because his boat began to sink let me tell you life might have been hard before you got saved life might have been a season of valleys and valleys and death and tragedy and calamity and 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 spiritual death and curses and demons chasing you and things just not panning out your way but now that christ has come into your boat it doesn't matter if the circumstances around you don't look favorable for you my God is an expert at flipping the tables over on the devil and establishing his goodness his mercy his favor his blessing in your life and ask Balaam when God decides to bless you and in Christ we are the blessed ones in Christ the Bible says we are partakers of all his spiritual blessings in heavenly places and when God decides to bless you when God's blessing comes on you we weren't just redeemed from the curse of the law we have received the blessing of Abraham through faith in Christ Jesus and as such as a result no man can curse you no curse can come near your dwelling place because the curse without cause shall never alight and that'll be your story from today onward in the name of Jesus if you're just joining us now I'd encourage you to share the broadcast share it often this is a powerful word that people need to hear and it's going to break people free I'm going to give you points three keys three steps on how to how to cast down every imagination every bad thought every negative recurring thought you don't have to bear those thoughts you don't have to tolerate those thoughts God has a plan and a mission and he has a program from his word he has a plan of action that you can know how to not only cast those thoughts down but guarantee that they never rise again and that'll be your story in Jesus name Proverbs 4 I'm going to show you that life doesn't have to be life does not have to be a constant struggle verse verse uh, verse 5 proverbs 4 verse 5 get wisdom get understanding do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth do not forsake her and she will preserve you love wisdom and wisdom will guard you wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her. So that's telling you. It's not just going to come on you. This path of life that I'm about to show you is not just going to drop on you. And it's not for a select few individuals. It's not for God's special favorite children. God has no favorite children. If you're in Christ, you're part of the beloved. And you yourself are the favorite child of God. But notice, it's not just, you know... You got saved and now all of a sudden things are just going to supernaturally line up. No, that's not how it works. You have to get wisdom. What's wisdom? Jesus said in Luke eleven fifty one, 51, has not the wisdom of God said, and he quoted the scriptures. 
The wisdom of God is the scriptures of God, the word of God, the entrance of his word. David said, brings light and gives understanding to the simple. Doesn't matter if you were stupid before you came to Christ. Doesn't matter if you were considered a fool before you got saved. Doesn't matter if you were intellectually uh, delayed or something. Like you had a hard time learning in school. You had ADD or whatever. When you come to Christ, when God, he is the wisdom and power of God. And the Bible says we have been made unto God. Christ has been made unto us wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. So it doesn't matter if you're stupid. Quit saying I'm stupid. Quit saying I never know how to do things. Quit saying, you know, I always feel lost. Or, I, I, man, I don't know how to think properly. Or quit saying things like, you know, I feel like I'm always backed into a corner, never knowing what to do. Those, the reason why those things keep happening is because you keep speaking those things. Instead, declare what the word of God says about you. That I have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is at work in me. When I think, though in the Old Testament, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and there was no way to really tap into that mind other than through a prophet speaking. That, that's how they had to tap into the mind of God. That's why David had to inquire of the Lord but the Bible says hallelujah the Bible says that the Spirit of God now bears witness to our spirit the Bible says in 1st Corinthians chapter 2 that uh, who knows the thoughts of a the thoughts of a man except the spirit of that man in him even so no man knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God who is in God but that's we have not received the spirit of this world we haven't received the spirit of another man we've received the spirit of God Almighty so that now we have free access into the thoughts which are higher than man's thoughts but now they've become our thoughts because of the spirit of God at work in us now we have access to God's ways God's ways God works in mysterious ways, amen? No, not amen. God doesn't have to work in mysterious ways anymore. I can know the mind of God. I can tap into the mind of God and I can cooperate with that and I can start thinking his thoughts and developing a new thought pattern in my life so that I'm, I'm not conformed to my old Adamic rooted thinking, but I'm now transformed by the word of God and my mind is now renewed after God's thoughts and after God's ways. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell, tell you, the secret to Moses' ministry and power was his access to the ways of God. Psalm 103, he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So the children of Israel got to enjoy the ministry of Moses who had access into God's ways, but they didn't know God's ways. They only witnessed his acts. But when you come under the influence of God's ways and you start to know God's ways, which Jesus said, my ways are not mysterious. You can't bear them now, but when the spirit comes, he will guide you into my ways. He will teach you all my ways. He'll not be a mystery. God's not trying to make things complex for you. He's not trying to make Christianity a difficult path for you to ride on. He's made it very simple. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. This book's not open to private interpretation, but if you'll just receive it as what it really is, the word of God, which works its power in them that believe, then you don't have to stay in the dark. You can enter into the light, the way of darkness. Things make people stumble when the thing, when night comes and you don't have a flashlight, you're going through a forest, you can fall, you can hurt yourself, you can cut yourself. But when you have a flashlight, things that might 
stumble things that other people might stumble over you're supernaturally relieved from stumbling over those things because of the light and david said thy word is a lamp unto my feet thy word is a light unto my path so the last time you ever stumbled hallelujah first peter one says this if you will not be lazy but be diligent to make your calling and election sure you will provide for yourself a way in which you will never stumble that's in first peter chapter one that's not me trying to get your hopes up that's the apostle peter saying if you'll make your calling and an election sure by the diligence by adding to your faith virtue and power by adding to your faith knowledge from the word by adding to your faith you see we have all received a measure of faith when we got saved but you don't let that measure of faith stand idle you have to add to that faith a lot of people are still living off the faith of salvation that they received 10 years ago and they haven't added and so they're still struggling and still battling the same issues you're to add to your faith virtue you're to add to your faith knowledge you're to add to your faith self-control godliness for in doing so you will never stumble peter said hallelujah listen to this this is like an old testament equivalent of first peter one exalt wisdom add to your faith knowledge exalt wisdom and she will promote you she will bring you honor when you embrace her she will place on your head grace. Grace facilitates life. Grace is not an exemption card that you can show God when you sin. Grace is God's empowering force to facilitate life. Grace makes things easy. Where other men are sweating, you're effortlessly going through. That's what Jesus tried to show us in Matthew chapter 14. When the disciples were out in the sea and they were battling the storm and they were rowing hard. And the Bible says that Jesus perceived them and he saw that the winds were contrary to them they were having a hard time you can take that to me like a microcosm of life when you don't have christ when you don't have the grace of god on your life things are hard you're rowing against the wind it's tough to get by just you're struggling to make ends meet but then when jesus walked on the water by them you understand the things that the winds that were pushing the a boat back jesus was walking on the water intending to pass by them meaning him walking was going faster than several men rowing because of the grace Jesus came full of grace and truth hallelujah come on something's something's moving today something's flowing today and I tell you that's a microcosm of what life is without Christ we row against the wind but when Christ comes in your boat remember what happened the moment his foot came into that boat the storm subsided and the waves stopped crashing against the boat and the wind started started to not go against them but started to move for them you ask anybody who's in parasailing it's hard to parasail against the wind but if you'll align your your sail with the wind then it's hard not to go too fast and get scared <laughs> can you say amen well let me tell you some of you you've experienced that you've beat against the winds you've you've tried to run it's like when you're running in a hurricane you have to run as hard as you can just to make three or four steps and i tell you today the same winds that have been contrary to you as the grace of god comes behind your sail as hard as life was before that's how easy life will be from this moment onward in the name of jesus christ of nazareth hallelujah hallelujah Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. How I many of you know, Bible doesn't promise long life. It just promises you that one day you'll go, die and go to heaven. Really? Is that what the Bible says? Hear my son and receive my word and the years of your life will be many. 
I don't think tragedy. I don't think premature death. I don't think getting into accidents. I don't think uh, negative circumstances happening. So I don't think getting sick and dying early. I, I don't think of coffins. I think of crowns. God's crown that he has for me here in this life. I don't think of, of calamity. I think of God's blessed plan that, it, that is unfolding around me. My son, the years of your life will be many. If you'll receive my saints, receive my word in your heart. Some of you have been thinking premature death. You've been dwelling on, you've had dreams of a coffin and that's what the devil does. He puts a dream, makes you think of, to, to have a dream to, so that he gets the seed, the thought of that, the seed of that thought into your heart. And then you start to dwell on it. And the more you dwell on it, the more you water that seed and it starts to grow. And then all of a sudden, you, you're like crippled with the fear of death. But the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Jesus Christ came in the flesh that through his death, he might deliver us from him who had the power of death. The devil doesn't have the power of death anymore. The devil doesn't get to decide when you die. The devil doesn't get to orchestrate accidents around you. You have so many Christians that speak so weakly when they say, you know, we don't really cast out demons here because last time we cast the demons out, we got into an accident. And it's like we have this, this uh, constant cycle. Every time we have a good service, something bad happens to us. We get into an accident. We, someone gets sick in our house. And he's put this fear in them for the devil. And so they refuse to actually operate in the power of God as a result. But let me tell you, the Bible says that the enemy has been stripped of the keys of hell and death in the grave and has given to us those keys. That now the Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Death is not over our head. Death is not a, 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 an equal opponent with us in Christ. Death is under our feet. And God already said that I have now given you life, life abundant if you'll obey me and serve me you'll spend your days in prosperity you'll spend your years in pleasure with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation God told Abraham Abraham if you'll walk before me and be blameless this is what's going to happen to you if you'll, if you'll keep holy and stay on my path here's what's going to happen for you he said as for you you will die and go to your grave at a good old age Abraham died at 175 years old you know people always use Psalm 90 and say, you know, David said, what is man year? What are man's years? 70 if by reason of strength, 80. You know, so we can't expect really more than 70 or 80 or years. We should be happy with that. Well, the Bible, if you actually read the context of that verse in Psalm 90, he wasn't saying, hey, we've been walking in full, full alignment with God's purpose and plan for our life. And yet our man's years are 70 if by reason of years, if by reason of strength, 80. You know, we, we're serving God to the fullest. We have no sin in our camp. And yet man's days are 70 if by reason of year, if by reason of strength, 80. That's not the context of the verse. You read the full verse. It says we, our sins have, are constantly in remembrance in our minds. Let me read it actually. Psalm 90. If you're just joining me now, please share the broadcast and uh, let's help as many people today. This is what Psalm 90 starts with. We have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we've been terrified. We've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of our countenance. So this is talking about a people who have unrepented sin. They're not living in God's path. They, they're living lives totally opposite to what God would have them live. And as a result, he goes on to say, as a result, our days pass away in your wrath. Our, we finish our years with a sigh. 
Sighing and sorrow is a part of the curse in Deuteronomy 28. The days of our lives are 70 years, if by reason of strength, 80. And even in 80 years, their boast is only of sorrow and of labor. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. So I want you to notice something. That's Psalm 90 isn't talking about, about Holy Ghost filled, Holy Spirit filled uh, righteous people. It's talking about people who have secret sins in their camp. And the Bible says in Joshua 7, be sure your sins will find you out. So when you have secret sins, you can't expect to walk in the blessing of God. The Bible, that's why Jesus said, no wonder he was so hard against sin. People think God was hard against sin because, you know, he wants to strip fun out of life. No, he wants to strip the misery of what sin brings on a people. That's why Jesus used very harsh terms in Matthew chapter 7. When he said, if your eye causes you to sin, don't tolerate it. Pluck it out and cast it far from you. If your hand causes you to sin, don't tolerate it. Cut it off your cut it off and cast it far from you. It's better for you to walk in the blessing with one hand than it is for you to enter into fire where there's a worm that never dies and a fire that's never quenched and a darkness that can be felt. Jesus wasn't trying to strip life of its fun. He was trying to strip life of its misery, which the Bible says when sin is, in, is unrepented, when sin is a lifestyle, it gives a foothold to the devil. And when the devil enters into a man's life or a woman's life, he brings with him every curse that he has to offer. Just like in Eden, there was everything was flowing smoothly. In Eden, there was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no premature death. There was no depression. There was no anxiety. But when Adam sinned, and he allowed Satan to take dominion over him to take supreme reign over him and his life and over mankind when Adam sinned he gave the keys of dominion to the devil and when the devil enforced his dominion over man he brought with him death he brought with him premature death he brought with him tragedy he brought with him trouble anguish sorrow of heart anxiety marital stress poverty and lack but when we come to Christ Christ has stripped the devil of the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And we in Christ are now those that have dominion over the things that used to reign and terrorize us before in the, in the devil. That's why the Bible says that he has translated us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. I have been translated into God's kingdom, God's rich kingdom. Now listen to this. This is what happens when you come into God's kingdom. This is what happens when you start to renew your mind after the word of God. This is what happens when you start to refuse to be conformed, but you stir up your mind daily by pure reminder of the word of God. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will never stumble. There it is again. How many of you know we all fall in different ways? No, not me. I don't fall because I don't get ahead of God. I walk in line with God. And as such, he, he makes every crooked place straight. He makes every rough path smooth. He makes every mountain flat. And he makes every valley to be filled. The Bible says there's a highway of holiness that those that are righteous dwell on. A highway is not loaded. I mean, unless you live in Montreal, a highway should not be loaded with potholes. Because if you're on a motorcycle and driving and there's potholes everywhere in a highway, you're going to have a very 
very tough day that day, constantly smoothing in and out of lanes. But when you come onto a highway like in Florida, where I go, man, praise God for the Florida highways, for the Floridian highways, because they're not like Montreal highways. Montreal highways, it's almost like the city is planning to like reduce the population, the amount of potholes and holes they have in and cracks in the road. And we have the most amount of taxes in North America, and we have the least results on our roads. But you go to Florida, you go to uh, even just cross over into Vermont, onto the other state from Quebec, and the highways are paved smoothly so that you're not dodging in and out of lanes. You can just drive, you can put it on cruise control and take a nap if you want. That's the way God said your life will be when you follow my ways. If I, if you'll follow my wisdom, if you'll get wisdom and learn understanding and store up my words in your heart, it'll be like a highway in life. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Therefore, take firm hold of my word and my instruction. Do not let her go. Keep her for she is your life. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Don't stand. Don't walk in the way of evil. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Keep yourself free from the love of this world, from the love of idols, from the love of what wicked men like. I mean, you see that wickedness doesn't stop at anything. You can see what's going on in the United States right now and in Canada. Wickedness does not stop. It doesn't stop until it has total dominion. You can't flirt with sin without getting burnt. And when sin burns, it brings death. The Bible says that when you con- when sin is conceived, it brings forth death in your life. Death in everything you touch. Death in everything you own. On the flip side, when righteousness is at the core of your being through Christ, everything on which the hand, the, everything on which the, the palm of your hand touches receives a blessing. That's why Paul said in Romans 6, you are not to let sin reign in your mortal body. But on the flip side, you are to present your bodies as living, as a living instrument, a weapon in God's hands. A weapon for righteousness. Present yourself alive from, alive from the dead. And the weapons, the, the instruments, the, your hands that used to roll up joints. Now they're to be presented to God to lay hands on the sick. Your eyes, they used to look at all kinds of wicked things. They're to be presented to God to now have them open to the wonders found in the word of God. Your feet, which were once used by the enemy to go to wicked places, go to bars, strip clubs. Now you're to present your feet and your your legs and your, 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 your strength to God to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace to go into the highways and byways and get men saved. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For the path of the just is like the shining of the sun and it shines brighter and brighter even unto that perfect day. I want to go through very quickly three ways to cast down a thought. Because, you know, how many of you have heard that? How many of you know, you know, the Bible says we have power to cast down a thought. Amen. And that's where they leave it. You have, there, there's a practical way. There's instructions from scriptures to know how to cast down those thoughts. To know how to deal with those thoughts. Because a bird can come and fly on your, on your uh, garden but you don't have to let it stay there. You can get a broom and chase it out. In the same vein, a, a thought can fly over your head. But it doesn't have to nest in your hair. It doesn't have to, to make its home in your mind. 
You have the power by the word of God and the weapons of warfare to cast down those thoughts and those imaginations that the enemy is trying to get you to think because I want you to understand something. The imagination is extremely powerful. Your imagination is extremely powerful. How do we know that? Because you were created in God's image and God imagined a world and he spoke the world through his ima the imaginations of his heart into existence. So when you imagine something, it'll influence your, your words and those words will inevitably determine your reality. For the Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. And what you speak out of your mouth is heart-rooted. It's rooted in your heart. That's why Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but rather it's what comes out of the man that defiles a man. For from within the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, fornications, adultery, and murder. He says those things come from within the man. But when you renew your mind by the word of God, you're no longer imagining death. You're no longer imagining sinful things and evil thoughts, but now they're being transformed into God's thoughts and as such, they detect the way you speak. Genesis 11, the Bible says very clearly that when uh, they decided to build the Tower of Babel, God spoke and said, now this they began to do and nothing could be restrained from them of which they imagined to do. Nothing could be restrained from them of which they imagined to do. God created you in his image. When you imagine something, when you dwell on something, and that's why there's motivational speakers that take that concept from scripture and use it in their own worldly ways and say, if you'll just think it, you can be it. If you'll just put your mind to it. I mean, have you heard that growing up? Just put your mind through it and nothing will be impossible to you. Well, that's they're actually taking that from Genesis 11, that God said nothing will be restrained from them of which they have imagined to do. So the imaginations of your heart are essential. You can't just imagine anything. You can't think poverty and expect to arrive at prosperity. You can't imagine premature death and expect to live long on the earth. You have to set your imagination in line with the word of God. That's what the word is. The word is loaded with mental pictures. This book is a photo album of what your life is to look like. That's why you're to forget the old photo album of what the wisdom of this world gets you to think on that life is hard life is a struggle life is just misery you know how many of you life throws you lemons you're just to make do and make lemonade that's what the world the adamic nature thinks on and dwells on and that's the photo album of your past but i believe some of you are going to start burning those old photo albums today and take on the instruction of paul who said you're to forget those things which lie behind and you're to press on to those things which are ahead where Christ is seated at the right hand of God I reach forward to the high prize of the calling of God in Christ Jesus I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith I'm not gonna just let things happen I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith and I'm gonna lay hold onto that which Christ Jesus has already paid for for me to have so this book is literally this book hey Isaiah this book is is uh is, is mental pictures that you are to adapt in your heart. That the more you dwell on him, that's why Paul said, finally, brethren, 
You are to dwell on those things which are good. Dwell on those things which are right. Dwell on those things which are pure. Dwell on those things which are of good report, which the Bible is loaded with good reports. As you dwell on those things, then the God of peace will guard your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. For if you know, it's not just about listening to this on Sunday morning. It's to dwell on them, to let it germinate in you, to let it constantly be ingested and digested to go through the bible says to meditate therein day and night for then you will be a tree firmly planted by streams of water and you will have good success everywhere you go so it's not enough just to hear the word once that's why people you know they get so totally callous to the word of god they have this like resistance towards god's word because they've developed this familiarity with certain scriptures and so it doesn't mean anything for them but i don't want i don't want any apathy i don't want to be indifferent towards the word of god i want this word to be as fresh as it was the first day that i read it tl osborne used to say the reason why a lot of preachers don't preach well and don't preach with the fire is because the gospel is good news and it should be preached as breaking news every time your mouth is open that's why when i get up here i might speak some things that sound the same as the last broadcast but it's breaking news to me and it's breaking news to you because this book doesn't get old no the flowers fade and the grass withers away but the word of the lord it endures forever for forever thy word O god is settled in the heaven it is still a word that is quick and active it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it has the power to transform you spirit and soul bone and marrow it affects the soul it affects the unseen part of man and it affects the seen part of man your flesh that's why the proverbs says in chapter 4 and verse 22 my son do not depart from my sayings keep your heart inclined to my ways for then it'll be life to your flesh and healing to all your body this book contains the healing power of God that's why I'm addicted to it that's why I feast on it that's why Jeremiah said thy words were found and I did eat them and they became for me the joy and gladness of my heart this book is not just going around you today it's getting on the inside of you and every terminal illness every sickness that doctor said there's no answer for I tell you by the name of Jesus Christ not only is the thought of death coming out but that very death itself that's crippled your body comes out today in the name of Jesus Christ you are free by the power of the gospel hallelujah if you're just joining him now just share this broadcast let's get this word out three ways to cast down a thought number one you have to identify the negative thought and have a forceful violent rejection of it don't nurse or placate or pamper demonic thoughts and voices that means cut off the source of where that thought's coming from if you get around someone that every time you know it's amazing when my wife was pregnant how many times people you know they just talk about their miscarriage they talked about this it's like why are you telling me that i don't need to hear that it's like the enemy gets people around you so that now you start thinking miscarriage now you start thinking that your fruit's gonna drop before it's time and then when, and when the child's born and then the child's about to be born they come around you and say oh man get ready man it's it, it's gonna hurt if you've never experienced pain it's gonna hurt it's gonna and they just get her mentally prepared to expect pain but do you understand the bible says in the book of exodus when the egyptians were given orders to kill every firstborn child of of israel of israel the maid servants the 
the people that were in charge of delivering the babies reported to Pharaoh that the children that come from Israeli women are not birthed the same way from Egyptian women in that their women bear their children without pain and they come forth with ease. That's a scripture that my wife stood on. And so what happened? I'm telling you, when she was having those initial contractions, she didn't feel a thing. They they took like a, a, a they analyzed her, her contractions and they were dumbfounded. They're like, you're not feeling anything right now? She said, no, I don't feel anything. I don't feel a thing right now. Why is that? Because she had faith in that scripture. It was only when they had to induce her that she started to feel pain. But before that, without any chemical help, which we had no choice, they, they like forced her to get induced. But it was only after that came in that she started to feel pain. Before that, she had supernatural childbirth coming on. And that baby was born without any complications, natural birth, no epidural, nothing. Why? Because God will confirm his word. He watches over his word to perform it. And he doesn't only watch over his word. He's watching over the simple mind people who will believe his word, receive it for themselves, speak his word, dwell on his word, meditate on his word and refuse to believe any con uh, contradictory report. It's important. There's right thinking and there's wrong thinking. And when wrong thinking and wrong words start to come out around you in the environment you're in, you have to identify those thoughts and you have to cast them down. You have to forcefully reject them before they, you know, a seed is very easy to uproot. I could tell you, I've, I've just been uprooting some weeds in my yard and uh, I got two blisters. I don't know if you can see them right there. Just uprooting weeds all day. And... I can tell you, there's some weeds that are easy to prove, and then there's some weeds that are so deep into the ground, they cause these blisters. In the same vein, you don't let a thought grow until it's unmanageable. You nip it at the bud. Get it out right away. The moment you think, um, uh, you know, my child, oh, you know, coronavirus, and they're saying flu season's going to be real bad this year. You know, we should probably all get ready. For the moment that thought comes, no, actually, no. I, Jesus already said, if you'll obey me and serve me, I'll take sickness out of the midst of you. So you not only forcefully reject it, number two, number two, you then dwell on the word of God that challenges that evil report. You had 12 spies go in to spy out the land in the land of Canaan. 10 of them came back with an evil report. But two of them didn't just let those ten mouth off and continue off saying, you know, yeah, there's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. What did they do? They got up and they challenged that and said, yes, there are grasshoppers. Yes, there are uh, challenges that we're going to face. There's obstacles. There are giants in the land. However, if God is on our side, we are well able to possess it. They challenged, which the Bible said was an evil report of unbelief with the good report of the Lord, the word of God. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our report? Your believing is not just in your heart. Your believing begins in your heart. It be begins in your thinking. But your thinking is always manifested in your speaking. Can't just stay in your heart. You have to start directing your words and your thoughts that way. Mark 5.35. The Bible talks about a, a, a woman with an issue of blood. When she heard about Jesus... She pressed through the crowd, and the Bible says she had a flow of blood for 12 years. Long-standing issue. But you know what happened the day she received her, her breakthrough? She changed her thinking. 
She said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. She said, the Bible says she thought within herself. She had to change her thinking. She had to renew her mind before her body could be renewed by the power of God. And when her mind was renewed, everything started. That's why Proverbs 4.24, guard your mind for out of it flows the issues of life. The Bible says he that guards his mind guards his path from thorns and thistles. And what happened when she changed her mind? She touched. She wasn't just touching like everybody else was trying to touch Jesus. There was a lot of people pressing in and touching Jesus that day. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? His disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? There's like 10,000 people around you. Like 10,000 people touched you. No, somebody touched me with faith. For I perceive virtue flew out of me. So you don't just reject the thought. You then... Meditate on at least three scriptures. Find three scriptures. Don't be a, a, a spiritual lazy. Labor diligently in the word of God. Study this book to show thyself approved. Let the words of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The Bible says in Colossians 1 that you are to be filled with all the knowledge of God's word and will so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good season, increasing in the knowledge of God, and as a result, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That's why I'm praying even now that God would put on you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of his word, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you can see what is the hope of God's calling, what is the riches of his glory and the inheritance of the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power towards you who believe. You got, as you meditate, you'll see the Holy Ghost will start to unravel the mysteries of heaven. That things that used to be complicated to you. You know, you used to pick up this book. I don't understand anything. I mean. Well, because you haven't spent enough time in it. But the Bible says, Paul told Timothy, if you'll consider these things, the Lord will give you understanding in all things. But some of you haven't considered them. You read it like it's some, you know, Facebook news feed. You're to consider. You are to keep on listening. The Bible says that there are many that gathered around Jesus but after he was done doing miracles, they fled and, and they went their way. And the Bible says, Jesus told them, those men, all things are given in parables so that seeing they'll never see, hearing they'll never perceive and understand, lest they should turn and be supernaturally healed. But unto you that have pressed in, to you that are hungry and thirsty after my righteousness, to you has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. There are mysteries packaged in this book. There are wonders behind the letters. And when you press in, and you say Lord as a deer panteth for the water creek so my soul panteth after thee show me my inheritance show me the surpassing greatness of your power open up the eyes of my heart open up the eyes of my understanding that I might behold the wonderful things that you have laid out for me in this life I pray give me understanding according to your scripture let your law restore my mind you'll see all of a sudden the spirit of God will start to renew your mind and things that used to not make sense to you and frustrate you well all of a sudden revelation comes and it'll make sense to you and now the next time you're challenged in that area you'll have a plan of action to counteract to challenge it back and to subdue and subject those things the next time a thought comes up you're not going to be wondering running helter skelter last minute trying to study you know, that's how <laughs> you ever noticed before you went into an exam there was a lot there was like 
two different types of people. There are some people that had studied throughout the months leading up to the exam. They were diligent in keeping their hearts steered up with the content of that subject, of that topic. And so when the, when the exam came around, they didn't sweat. They, they were smiling, happy, didn't have to cram everything in the, the session before. They came, came the exam, they finished it first. When everyone else took an hour and a half, they were done in 30 minutes because they knew it. They were confidently restful because of the knowledge they had pertaining to that subject matter. But then there was the other guy, which oftentimes used to be me. <laughs> Where the last minute, like half an hour before the exam, I'd have, I'd have someone get a cheat sheet and I'd read over that cheat sheet. I'd read over that, like, what I knew was going to be. I didn't have to fill myself with things I didn't know was going to, I knew wasn't going to be on the test. Whatever was going to be on the test, I'd fill myself up, cram it all in last second. And I was worried. The night before, I couldn't even enjoy what I was doing, watching TV or whatever, because I just had that at the, at the back of my mind. And so you have two types of people in, 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 in life, in Christianity. You have those that when tragedy hits, that's when they start to take things seriously. That's when they start to open up and crack open this book of wonders but then there's another part of people and there's another group of people and I believe that's you today because you wouldn't be watching this broadcast if it wasn't you I'm telling you there's another group of people that they stay they stay in God's pastures they they remain they don't just visit God they abide in God and God abides in them they abide in him and his word abides in him and as such they don't sweat when things get when things get tough they don't get worried when things get tough because they know they have a confidence they're fully persuaded that what God has promised he's able to perform that's why people gather around you and say hey how is it that you're never panicking how is it that you never get worried how is it that with everything going on around you you're still able to carry a smile and that smile is not some superficial joy but it's a joy firmly rooted because like I said before Jeremiah said when his words were found I ate them ingested them and got them in me so that they became a part of me and they became the joy of my heart God's joy is in his word that in the midst of trial the Bible says that you're standing strong that's why that's why the Bible says very clearly that um, Jesus said these things I have spoken unto you that in me you may have my joy that my joy might be made full in you the word of God is the custodian of God's joy plan for your life the more you eat it it's like you know people have such trust in antidepressants to keep them happy to keep them of, away from depression and so they take it on a daily basis whatever dose the doctors prescribe for them but there's another prescription called the word of God it's it's the gospel if you'll take that gospel pill every day it'll result in joy unexplicable and full of glory so you got to meditate on the word of God and then number three and I'll finish with this you need to think thoughts opposite to what those negative thoughts were trying to bring on you so if you think premature death get the word of God in you that says that paints the your reality that with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. If you thinking poverty and lack all the time, start to think the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. That it's the Lord my God who causes, who gives me power to create wealth. That he might establish his covenant with me. That the Bible says 
that God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, that Paul said that no, uh, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, that God who gives seed to the sower will supply the seed and multiply the seed back to you, pressed down, shaken together, fallen into your lap. And now with all that scripture abundance in your heart, now you can think thoughts opposite to lack and think thoughts op opposite to tragedy and premature death. Start to think of yourself. If the doctor gave you a bad report saying you'll never walk again, start to think of yourself running marathon start to think of yourself uh, on a beach somewhere in Cuba doing your best you know playing beach volleyball or something if the devil's trying to get you to think poor start to think rich start to think whatever <laughs> what the enemy said you can never have start to think double what you thought you could never have in the name of Jesus if the devil tries to get you to think uh, that your 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 family will never serve the Lord start to paint a picture in your mind from the word of God that says your descendants will be mighty on the earth that the Bible says your children shall be blessed that your children will be like fruitful olive plants planted around your house start to think of your children if the devil says they'll never be saved go a step further and say not only will they get saved they'll be Holy Ghost preachers on the earth when my father was praying for me and he was fasting I used to go out having a bottle of Jack in my hands going out to party and I'd see him not eating that night night preparing food for the rest of the household but not eating himself and I say what are you doing he said I'm fasting what are you doing I'm praying for you I'm praying God's gonna save you well my father didn't just pray that God would save me but God went further and above all that he could think ask or imagine according to the glorious power of God not only did God save me he turned me around filled me with his spirit and he said freely you've received now you can freely give he made me a minister thanks be unto God he's enabled me he counted me faithful and he's now put me in the ministry my father only wanted to have a child that was going to heaven now he's got a child that's leading many elders multitudes millions to heaven by the time his time is said and done can you say amen hallelujah hallelujah blessed be the name of jesus christ amen what the enemy meant for evil god is not only going to switch it for good but start to prepare your mentality think good Whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever the devil says you can never have, think you'll have double. Double what others have in that area. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Because we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve an idol. We don't serve a God who sweats at impossible situations. We serve a God who split the Red Sea. We serve a God who specializes in uprooting mountains. We serve a God who said, I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient God. I am the God of more than enough. I'm the God of not just enough. I'm the God of more than enough. I'm Jehovah, the mighty man of war. And I've taken and assumed the responsibility in fighting your battles. And as such, you can expect goodness and mercy. You can expect blessings. You can expect high voltage blessings coming your way you have to think the opposite not only reject not only meditate on the scripture but start to think the opposite of what the enemy is trying to groom you to think like you think sickness you'll, you'll die sick start to think according to the word of God that by his stripes I'm healed start to think of yourself running a marathon start to think of yourself <laughs> if you have breathing problems start to think of yourself taking in deep breaths don't think of yourself tied to an 
a, a ventilator. Don't think of yourself tied to a IV unit. Don't think of yourself of uh, spending time in the hospital. Think of yourself playing with your kids. Think of yourself playing with your grandchildren. Think of yourself playing with your great and great grandchildren. That you'll see four generations. The enemy says you won't even see your children grow up. Think of yourself not only seeing your children, but your children's children growing up. And that's not just, that's not motivational thing. That's not Christian science. That's not positive thinking. That is Bible thinking. Which the Bible says, how blessed is the man who fears God and keeps his commandments. His wife will be like a fruitful vine. His children will be olive plants uh, planted around his table. And that man will long enjoy the fruit of his hands. Don't think of yourself working hard, but not getting to enjoy anything. Think of yourself as long enjoying that even in old age, you'll still be enjoying the seeds you sowed in your youth. Forcefully reject and think the opposite. Paul said in Acts 26 too, I think myself happy. Stop thinking things that make you sad. Think yourself happy based on your mental pictures from the word of God. I think myself happy. I make myself joyful by the thoughts I think. That's something you have to be intentional about. You have to work towards that. It won't just come. You have to work. You have to be intentional. You have to, you have to work towards that happening and being a reality in your life. Set your mind on things in heaven. So that tells you you have to set your mind, just like a satellite. Back when you used to have like satellite on your house and you have to set it and then the satellite would move and point itself elsewhere. In the same vein, some of your mind, your mental satellites are pointed in the wrong direction. Set your mind on things above. What does that tell you? What's not in heaven, don't set your mind on those things for you to expect it to have, to receive that on earth. Are there tears in heaven? No. So I don't set my mind on things that make me tearful. Is there sickness in heaven? No. So I'd set my mind on things above. There's no sickness in things above. That means I don't set my mind on things that pertain to sickness. I set my mind on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He had possibility thinking rooted in his heart. Now, no matter where I am, and you see that evidence in Acts chapter 28, the Bible says very clearly, he gets to an island shipwrecked as a prisoner. And instead of setting his mind on why things didn't work out or setting his expectation, well, you know, I've seen where this heads. Doesn't look like it's heading in the right direction. Instead, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even if I'm shipwrecked, even if I'm a prisoner on an island with foreign people all around me, and I just got bit by a snake, I don't expect death, I don't expect tragedy. I can do all things, I can be all things through that anointing that works through me. And what happened? 
by the end of the chapter, Acts chapter 28, a couple of verses later, the guy has had a mighty revival. Everyone that was sick was healed on that island. The leading citizen of that island gets saved that still to this day if you go to malta there's a church that's established that's one of the oldest churches in the world and as he's leaving the island he showered with high blessings the bible says they gave him many gifts and many blessings as he left the island that doesn't come by thinking ill thoughts towards himself you got to be careful what you think about yourself because christ lives in you so the way you think of yourself, you actually are thinking of Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in him who lived and died for me and gave himself up for me. So my mind is not lined up with what I used to be. My mind is now lined up with my new creation reality and what I'm destined to be. So how do you cast out a thought? Three steps. Number one, Number one, identify the negative thought. Anything that doesn't add joy to you is a negative thought and it's not sent from heaven. Because every good and perfect gift comes down from above the Father of lights with whom there's no shifting shadow nor variant of change. So if it's not good and if it's not perfect, it's not God. Identify it and violently, violently reject it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Don't just sit back and hope it goes away. Push it out of your life. If a burglar came through your house with a gun and started to forget a gun. He came, no, no gun. He just came with a bat or something. And he just started taking things out of your house. Moved your flat screen TV out. Started taking your oven, brand new fridge you just bought. And he starts moving those things out of, his, out of your house into a moving truck. And you got up and you said, hey, brother, would you like me to make some lemonade for you? Would you like me to lower the thermostat? Is it a little cold? Is it a little warm in here? I can lower the thermostat. Are you comfortable? That's what a lot of people do when the enemy sows a seed in their minds. When the Bible says you're to cast out, kick it out of your life. Literally, the picture of what Paul's trying to paint is stand by with a sword and anything like a bouncer stands before a club or something. Anything, if his name is not on the list, it don't get in. If that thought's not on the list of the word of God, it doesn't have entrance into my heart. For I stand at the gate of my heart. And every thought that's contradictory to what's on the list here gets cut down and shaken out of my life. Number two, so forcefully reject it. Number two, meditate on the word. Soak in the word of God. The Bible says very clearly that we are living epistles of Christ. What's an epistle of Christ? One who has the word of God written on not stone tablets, but on flesh tablets that is of the heart. Write this book on your heart. My son, do not forget my word. Treasure it in your heart. For length of days, long life and peace will they add unto you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Write it on the tablet of your heart and you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So favor doesn't come by accident. Favor comes as you tattoo this book on your heart. And then number three. Think opposite to what the devil's trying to make you think. To what your thought life, your old thought life has 
patterns you to think like. Don't be conformed, be transformed. And as you're transformed, your thought, your mental pictures of what life will now hand you should not be the same as before. I think success. I don't think failure. I think victory. I don't think defeat. I think blessing. I don't think cursing. I think as an overcomer. I don't think as an underachiever. I think as one who greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. I don't think as someone who's disadvantaged, I think as someone who has an extreme advantage over regular human beings because of the spirit that is at work in me. I don't think carnally minded anymore. I've been set free to think spiritually minded, which brings me life and peace. I don't think distressful thoughts. I think peaceful thoughts. I don't think... I can't do it. I think I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't think I can never be that. I think he that believe the Bible says, if you believe on me, you will become children of light. I don't think as a child of darkness. I think as a child of light. That's right, Bridget. I'm word conscious. I'm not sin conscious. I'm not unrighteousness conscious. I am not failure conscious. I am righteousness conscious. I am victory conscious because the Bible says he leads me to triumph in all things through God. Thanks be unto God who always leads us to triumph through Jesus Christ. You know what that scripture actually talks about? When an army went out and a king went out to make war against a foreign nation and they won that battle. And they subdued that land. The citizens of that victorious uh, king were now able to move in and take advantage of the land that the king had triumphed over. So when the Bible says, thanks be unto God who always leads us to triumph in all things through Christ, Christ goes ahead, does the triumphing we stand behind him walking in the benefits of that triumph. So that we never have to lift a finger. We just have to lift up hands and praise God for what he's given us. That's what the Bible means. When it says thanks be unto God who leads us to triumph in all things. So I don't think. I don't think of, of, of defeat. I don't think. Of children not serving the Lord. I don't think of my child growing up and being a drug addict. I don't think. I think of my child growing up and whatever the Lord's used me to win. Souls to, the, to himself and to the, into the kingdom of God. He'll far outdo me. Light years ahead of me. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You need to get saved. All this... All, these th all this, this whole message, taking down thoughts that have held you captive, breaking free from negative thoughts of failure, all of that will not, will not, it'll never be a reality for you unless you first come to Christ.
The Bible says that we are to first present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God and then not to be conformed and be transformed. So you have to first make a decision today. I'm not being conformed. I'm, present, I'm presenting my life now to Christ, to God. Who is made unto us sin so that I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm presenting myself alive from the dead to God so that he can use me. And that he can work through me and that he can, he can do what he wants done through me. You need to get saved. You need to repent. The first step in renewing your mind is getting your spirit to come back, up, back to life again. You do that by getting saved. How do you get saved? A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ and confess that Jesus is Lord. So if you're here watching me right now, I want you to pray this with me from the depth of your heart. Say this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart. God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Come live in my heart. Where I was weak, make me strong. Fill me with your spirit. Turn my life around. Renew my mind today. Give me grace to live in your word so that it can restore my mind. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Heaven is my home. I'll never go backward another day in my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. Get that information to me. I want to send you something, a Bible and some material free of charge just to welcome you into the family of God. Once again, salvationnow.ca. I just got saved is the first link at the bottom of that page. Uh, fill it out. We'll never ask you for money. We'll never hassle you for anything. I just want to get something to you free of charge. We pay shipping. We pay handling. We pay all the fees just as a way of welcoming you and, and uh, thanking you for joining this broadcast. For everyone else that's watching right now, I'm going to pray right now. A grace comes on you to renew your mind. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let grace upon grace come on your people this day that would enable them and empower them to study this book. And that as your word, which the Bible says is the incorruptible seed of the word of God, as it gets into their heart, let it produce an incorruptible harvest that every corrupted thought would be swallowed up by the thoughts that you have towards us, thoughts for good, thoughts for a future, thoughts for prosperity, not for harm or for destruction. Father, I pray, just as Paul prayed for the Philippian church, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent, whatever is of praiseworthiness, let those thoughts dominate the thoughts of your people today, the hearts of your people today. Lord, I pray, that you would raise up a people from this broadcast that would guard their heart from this day onward. That they wouldn't be victims of failure mentality, but that they would develop possibility thinking so that they can emerge as more than conquerors in this life. In Jesus' mighty name, receive that grace now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji, or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.